When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. back to the Goldmine Podcast. This is Pat Prince, editor of Goldmine Magazine. And what you're hearing is Ann Wilson. And that's Ann Wilson, singer of heart. And that's her so from her solo album called Fierce Bliss. The track is called Greed. And I got to tell you, it sounds like old heart, man. It's exciting. So we're going to have Ann Wilson on the podcast to talk about the new album. And she'll go through a few songs and and talk about heart. In fact, we're going to have a lot of Ann Wilson on the website and in print in an upcoming issue. To tell you how excited Goldmine is about her new solo album. So before we get to the interview, don't forget to go to goldminemag.com. For that exclusive content, also go to shop.goldminemag.com for unique vinyl and collectibles. And don't forget to pick up the print edition, we're bi-monthly now, on the newsstand at select Barnes & Noble and Books A Million Stores. So we'll be right back after this message with Ann Wilson. Hey, I'm Ronald Webb, and this is Patrick Prince. And together we host the Goldmine Radio Hour, the show that features the latest issue of Goldmine. The Music Collector's Magazine. Tune in Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on CygnusRadio.com. Hello. Oh, how are you? I'm fine. Thank you. Good. Thank you for taking the time to do an interview for Goldmine. And you started started the year off right with this album. It's a powerful album, and I think thank the, you. Yeah, I think the title pretty much sums it up. Uh, Fierce bliss. It's aggressive. It has moments of anger, but it also has hope at the end. If you mm-hmm. sum up, yes. that, would you agree with that? Yes, I would. It's got a through line of of going through all different kinds of um, trials and tribulations. You know. Bridge yeah. of size and uh, get her and love of my life and just, but then at the end it's well the world still turns you know, right and you got Roger Dean to express that and imagery yes <laughs> yeah yeah was he a favorite of yours uh, you know in the seventies doing all the Yes albums oh yeah uh, did Hart did Hart ever use Dean I don't think so right oh no we never did this no, is a I, first. I was trying to think about that. I don't think you did. Yeah, he was always a favorite of mine uh, from back in the days when you actually played a record and held the album cover in your hands and 
checked it out in depth, you know, as you're listening to the music. Yeah. And there were a few like Peter Blake and everything for the Beatles and the the, the King Crimson album covers and stuff like that, that, that were so um, inspirational. And, and the synthesis of listening to the music and looking at this art made a whole experience out of it. And even uh, listening to the songs like the guitar, um, the riffs are really, have, reminds me of uh, the heart in the 70s. Those guitar riffs, those. Yeah, music. some of them. Yeah. yeah. Now, is that the uh, guitarist Tom Bukovac, the doing the riffs there? From Cleveland. Yep. He's a, he's what I would call as close to a genius as any guitarist I've ever worked with. Wow. He just has this ability to just pull things down out of the universe that are so great. And uh, he's just, he's just a great human, great player. Now, the song Greed shows some of that um, anger, but um, do you think it also has, I, I saw some of your, some of the notes where you said, if you're getting into the music industry or basically any sort of industry, right? Your idealism kind of has to take some, not a backseat, but you got to put yourself in check a little bit. Um, there's greed out there and doesn't mean that you have to become part of it, but you have to realize it is a thing in the world. Yeah, it's a it's a pretty strong undertow, especially in our culture right now. Yeah. It's, I've never seen it so materialistic and so uh, self-oriented, you know, and even, as it is now. Yeah, in the 80s, everyone thought that was the decade of greed, right? But now right, yeah. we've gotten into this extreme capitalism, <laughs> which is pretty strange. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it was almost like in in the 80s, it was just a precursor, you know. Right. Well, the, that movie Wall Street, Greed is Good. Uh, I don't know if you yeah. remember that. But uh, one of the lines, greed is empty, greed is lonely. Maybe you could elaborate on that a little bit. Yeah. Like the the verse goes, greed is empty, greed is lonely, constant craving for one thing only. And that is if you're craving for this one thing, then everything else just gets locked out. You're greedy for this one thing. And so you're, you're on the make for that only, you know, and that's, that's a, interesting because I watched recently, I don't know if you've seen it, the dropout, which had to do about the company Theranos and also another movie um, called the um, a we crashed, which is about another a unicorn and how they start out with a great you know idea and you know they have great expectations and you know they want to do good in the world but greed comes along and it just twists them it's like they get caught up in yeah. it and they put all yeah. their you called it a faustian deal to an extent and you're right yeah yeah and it's like the the old story of Robert Johnson down at the crossroads, you know, <laughs> you make this deal and, and uh, you get what you ask for, but you lose something right. huge in the, you know. Now, you're you're always great at doing covers and here you you've done some wonderful covers. Um, you start with Missionary Man, um, the rhythm, your rhythmics, were you a fan of your rhythmics and the. I mean, how could Annie Lennox yeah. is, uh, 
powerhouse vocalists like yourself. So, well, I've I've always been a huge Annie fan. I mean, from the first time I heard her way back in the '80s, I just went, "Wow, this is really something." And uh, she so with the state that our country and our world is in right now with the polarization of left and right. The right is kind of got at its heart, kind of a Christian evangelistic type of ideal. Um, I thought missionary man would be really relevant for today. So we, we did it and we made it into a big mega church production, you know, with 40 person gospel choir from a Baptist church in Nashville. And, uh, Kenny Wayne Shepherd on guitar and just made it as big as it possibly could ever be. And it was just a thrill getting to sing with that gospel choir. And people think when they hear gospel choir, that'll be, it rocks. I mean, the song rocks. So um, people need to hear that. Gospel rocks. Yeah. yeah. Gospel choirs rock. And they, they probably each and every one of those 40 people was as good a singer as I am. So it was really an honor for me to get to join my voicing with them. And uh, I think you can hear all that on the track. It's it's just exuberant, you know. And then you have Freddie Mercury, who must have been, a, you know, an influence as a peer, right? Um, yeah, yeah. Love of my life. Yeah. You, um, that song, I was listening to Night at the Opera, and I heard that song, and I just thought, of course, you know, Queen's version is kind of real campy, you know, and it's got this Baroque sort of chamber music type treatment. So I thought how cool it would be to take it out of that frame mm-hmm. and just lay it out like an organic, simple down to earth song and do it as a duet. And of course, my voice is kind of rock and raspy and everything. So the man that I was going to duet with, I wanted to be an angel. So there was only one choice and it was Vince Gill. And I was so stoked when he said that he wanted to do it i think that song came out really great yeah and uh i think he's torn with the eagles now too or will be um yes, he is. now did you ever get to meet freddie freddie mercury get the what did you ever get to meet freddie mercury yeah yeah in fact heart uh opened up for queen in the 80s quite a bit and um we got to hang out and we had dinners and parties and, you know, after show get togethers and dressing rooms and stuff. And yeah, he was, he was a cool guy, flamboyant, just everything he professed to be. I think that he and I could kind of relate to each other as lead singers, you know, and sort of, he was much more of a diva than I was. (laughs) And so, but we could still relate, you know, well, I know musicians are kind of like athletes, right? They trade tips and, uh, you know, professional secrets on how to do things. Do you do that with your uh, vocalist peers? Like, did you do that with Freddie or um, any of your uh, other friends that are vocalists? What you mean about vocal maintenance and stuff yeah, or about yeah. style? Exactly, both. Not, not so much. I've never really encountered anyone who had any thing I didn't already know, you know, um, I've, I went to a vocal coach in Seattle a couple of times just to figure out how to warm up. And, um, that didn't really help me that much because what he taught me was so boring. It was just sing scales, you know, (laughs) sing scales before thing. And I could never 
sustain that. So I worked out a thing on my own of, of just uh, choosing a CD of somebody else that I really like and singing along with the whole thing before I, I go on stage. So you get the same effect. You open up your soul and your throat, but it's not boring. Right. You know, so, so, so I end up warming up for about at least 40 minutes before I go on. That, that works for, for me. You sound as great as you do or did in the 70s. So it's like, how do you maintain such a great voice for decades? I mean, it's quite remarkable. Well, a, thank you. It's a more delicate instrument than a guitar. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. And if if you get sick, then it's all over if you're a vocalist. Right. I mean, if, if you're a guitar player and you're hacking and coughing and stuff, you can still do the show. Right. But... Uh, but, but anyway, for me, it's more of a soul opening thing. Yeah. And if you take basic maintenance care of your throat, like not smoking for me is important. Um, I drink a lot of water, try to get a lot of sleep and just basic common horse sense stuff. I mean, ever look back? I mean, look at back in the old days when smoking was so, I mean, you couldn't walk in a room without a full of smoke. And that had to be That's hard right. on the yeah. vocal cords, you know. So yeah, it's it's just a dry, it's just a drying thing, and it's 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 like particulate stuff in the air, so you're breathing stuff, yeah. you know. And that's that didn't work for me. Like other people, it works for just fine, right? But not me. Yeah. Now, Bridge of Size. Were you um, a Robin Trower fan, or were you a Procol Harum fan? Because um, Trower obviously is a fantastic guitarist and uh kenny wayne shepherd really does some justice uh on this track oh boy he sure does yeah and i've always loved that song and wanted to do it but i've never until now been able to get a guitarist to take it on with me um kenny wayne of course is a generation younger than i am so for him when i suggested we do that song he just jumped on it he right. i guess it was like a visiting roots for him or something but i i agree i think he really nailed it you know yeah i had to double check my <laughs> notes to see if it possibly was robin trower and so, <laughs> he really captured them but what yeah, i love yeah. about the ballads that you've done on this album is they're true ballads in the sense of rock ballads like led zeppelin since i've been loving you they're nice and bluesy and you know um, I, I don't know if you were trying to capture that, but uh, especially Bridge of Size, it came off as like that has that since I've been loving you feel. Yeah, yeah. Well, that track has so much space in it. Mm -hmm. There's not a bunch of whole bunch of stuff going on. It's wide right. open. And so there's lots of room for me to really, you know, emote and right. and go somewhere with it, which I really love that. That's so satisfying as a singer. But it means you really have to be in command. You have to be in control. You can't right. be shy, you know. But it's different than the power ballads of, of the 80s. I think Hart perfected power ballads early on. And by the end of, by the, end of the 80s, um, I think power ballads became, you know, hair metal bands were just going through the motions. To, it was like clickbait. They got really, they got really formulaic, too. Exactly. I mean, you, That's you the right word. Um, yeah. You could just, uh, just lay down 
the music and throw any set of words into them and they would work, you know. <laughs> that's just it. I, I guess that's the way of putting it formulaic because when you guys were doing it, there were lyrics behind it that captured, you know, the motion. And then it became just a sort of a thing to do for the record companies. Um, right. Yeah. The, then grunge came around and just completely killed it. Yeah, it was like a big tsunami. Here, here comes grunge and just washed it all away. You know, I was glad to see that happen yeah. because I think the eighties, they'd come to their natural conclusion and they're beginning to be pretty stupid, you know? Yeah. And, uh, I mean, how how far can you take um, authenticity? I mean, lack of authenticity, phoniness. How far can you take it before it starts just getting stupid? You know, that's a that's a good point. And it, it seemed like grunge coming from an area that you're familiar with. Did you kind of see it coming? No, we weren't in. Seattle. You were in L.A. At the we didn't. You know, we didn't spend much time in Seattle all through the '80s. I mean. I lived there and everything, but I was always on tour. I was always in New York or LA or something. So that happened during my absence. <laughs> and then, and then uh, came back to Seattle at the end of the nineties and just went, wow. Yeah, this is cool. <laughs> yeah. I've it's heard simple. about that scene. It was sort of like the scene uh, and, you know, you know how every city has a scene, you have the sunset strip scene then you have, you know, the New York scene in the late 70s with the Mud Club and stuff like that. I heard it was very much like that. Of course, I was yeah. not yeah. there to experience some really, uh, There were some really cool clubs around, the Crocodile and the Rock Candy, and the Off-Ramp and all these different places. I, I remember going to see Mookie Blaylock, the precursor to Pearl Jam, yeah. at uh, the Off-Ramp. And like even in earlier iterations than that, you know, just at these little clubs right? and uh, trying to just relax into it because it, it was such a flip the bird to corporate greed um, type movement. It was back to basics, even image wise, back to basics. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I think in art, you art movements, you got to wipe the slate clean and, and start over again. Yeah, it's kind of like a, like an etch-a-sketch um, industry career move where you just go, okay, done with it, done that, been there. It's gone, you know. Now, I have to ask you about one. Um, now, you said when you write, you think that you write best when angry, you said. Now, what do you mean by that? Because like I said before, you also in your lyrics, you, you show hope at the end. It's not complete yeah. you know, nihilism. <laughs> anger like some band uh, no when i said that i was referring to uh sometimes i get in a state like when i wrote the words to barracuda or greed you know the new right. song when you're angry you don't have a filter on you know like you're not choosing your words carefully and making sure you don't offend anyone you're venting so yeah. that's a state where you can just words come out easy and they come out uh vividly and and you really mean them, you know? So I think that's a really cool, when that happens naturally, I think that's a great time to have a pen and paper in front of you, yeah, <laughs> me, you know? Do you also write with acoustic or do you have uh, someone that you write with like a guitarist 
How do you usually do your songwriting? Well, I usually start with the with the lyrics as a poem mm-hmm. or prose, and and I have a concept idea for how I hear the groove, and um, I'll sing that into an iPhone. That simple. And this in this case, I get together with my guitarist Tom Bukovac, and um, we talk, and I describe what I feel, and then he starts coming back with ideas, and it's it's very organic, you know the process and now you could do it you don't have to be all in the same studio like you were before which is well yeah what you prefer i've never had yeah i've never had much luck with that sending files around (laughs) and doing it remotely i always feel that there's some mark in the middle that's missing you know Uh, i tried it once yeah i tried that once and what i got back was this mountain of everybody else's ideas stacked on top of mine and the idea was for me to have to plow through and figure out which ones to keep and it was not fun and not very um, fruitful so what I did for first bliss is we just got all vaccinated we put on masks and we went to muscle shoals and we were in the same room and did it face to face going to muscle shoals you must have felt all the great music that was recorded there yeah there must have been the yeah there's a there's a distinct vibe in that place uh uh, it's small i think um can't emphasize enough how i think that definitely helps uh musicians when they go to a studio with a lot of history um yeah i agree um and that place is just small and dark and uh, you bring in your own outboard gear, so it's state of the art, you know, and it's, it's just got everything. The the people who work there and run the place just get you set up and then they leave you alone, you know. And, and uh, we all felt really uh, comfortable there and comfortable with each other. And it just really turned into what started out to be just let's develop some demos. It turned into a record, you know, and a band. Mm. And the people I met there are my band, the Amazing Dogs. And um, we did a bunch of shows last year. We're going to go out and do a few more here. And you're very prolific. I mean, I hear from readers all the time how they're so happy that you're still, you know, putting out new music. You know, I think. Yeah, how about the the Heart fans are very happy. I mean, of course, I always get uh, questions about, uh, you know, when's Heart going to tour together? When's Heart uh, coming back and stuff like that? But that's pretty common. Yeah. I want to go back to, you mentioned like Barracuda, such a classic song. And if you put on classic rock radio, you could still hear it. And how the timelessness of a song like that. And did you, did you think back then, and I know I talked to artists of the sixties and they say, well, we never really thought we'd last more than five years. So we just gave it all we got. And then (laughs) <laughs> maybe in the set did that change in the 70s did you see more longevity in rock and roll no you know like when you're when you're 23 25 years old you never think you're going to live to see 30 you know much less still be together at 50 years um in a band right. we just yeah we just put the hammer down and just did the best we could do every time not knowing if it was uh, going to continue or not and right see i think i think that's where the real um vitality comes with young bands 
And then something happens in their psyche when they have a long career. It's so hard to, to keep up that vitality right. and, and that originality. That's a great yeah. point. Because think about it when you're in your 20s. I know I didn't think about, you know, I wasn't thinking about my 30s. I might have been right. It yeah. might have been back in my mind, but it wasn't in the forefront. <laughs> yeah. I certainly, no way. I, if I were an artist, I don't think I'd be writing oh my God, I got to make sure this band lasts for another 40 years. I mean, yeah, really. Yeah. It's kind of a miracle that the Rolling Stones are hitting 60. Yeah. That's, that's really something. And I got to say to, to people who have been with the Rolling Stones the whole time, you know, that is just nothing short of miraculous. I mean, that is true loyalty. And um, yeah. It's really something. Played this year already. Yes. How did. did you find the world in this sort of, I'm not going to call it post-pandemic because it's not really. How did you find the audience? How did you, I mean, there. it seems to me like the fans are so starved for live concerts that when the pandemic officially ends, if it, it should, um, they're just going to be, they're going to be seeing concerts like crazy. So I, yeah, you get a feeling for any of that. Yeah, we did about twenty shows last year, and um, then we did this show this year for the opening of Mardi Gras, and right. uh, it, it was definitely people were definitely hungry. I mean, they mm-hmm. they don't sit back; they're not jaded. You know, they they don't sit back and go, "Oh yeah, that was kind of cool." Show me what else you got do Barracuda or whatever, they they definitely were into it. The fact that you were there and it was loud and exciting and all that, you could tell a difference for sure. Yeah. And last year, when we, uh, we played last year, you were looking out on a sea of masked faces. So you could feel their enthusiasm, but, but you couldn't see their faces all the way. So you never, you didn't know what they were thinking really. Right. <laughs> bunch of eyes you know and, and uh it was very interesting well i'm sure when um you know because we're not completely out of it yet but um i think people will be going to concerts every week <laughs> it'll be like they're they're in their 20s again <laughs> yeah maybe that's what the what the touring industry needed well, i, I know mean i hate artists, to you yeah to i hate to that. imply yeah I hate to imply that there was anything good about the pandemic, but it did sort of clean the slate, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. The trends now, but um, yeah, you have, you're going to be touring for the, almost the rest of the year, right? To support the album. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're going to West coast, um, Canada, Mexico, down to Florida, up into the Northeast and then over to Europe Do you think and UK. Guest spots for Vince Gill or Kenny Wayne Shepherd, like to jump on stage. Oh, I hope so. Yeah, we're um, we're playing two shows in Nashville, and I I really hope that they will show. I'm gonna uh, invite them, and if they show, that would just be great. It'd be awesome. Yeah, because you know fans love that. A special. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Ann. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for talking to me. Yeah, and good luck with the tour. Have fun, and congratulations with the album. It's very okay. Powerful. Thank you so much. 
Thanks, Anne. Thank you very much. I know. Have a good day. You too. Bye. Thank you, Ann Wilson. Okay, this is Pat Prince, editor of Goldmine, signing off. You can get Ann's solo album, Fierce Bliss, in the Goldmine store if you go to shop.goldminemag.com. That's shop.goldminemag.com. We'll see you next time on the Goldmine Podcast. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.